Welcome to Fork Podcast. I'm Sean Chris Lewis, your host, and this is a very special edition of our podcast. During the COVID disruption, my goal was very simple. It was very much in my comfort zone, and it's what I do best. I thought that during people's sequestered lives during COVID, I could offer them some help and some guidance in their health and wellness, good nutrition, some exercise tips for home. And taking the opportunities the entire world was changing, trying to find that new normal, I thought it was a good time to help people to maybe use that as their opportunity to make those changes that they most wanted to do. And as COVID moved through our system, it seemed to start magnifying a lot of the illnesses of our creation. There's a lot of things that are good, obviously, that we've developed over the many years, and improved a lot of things in our system, but there are illnesses that can't be denied in our system. Unsustainable business practices, deep inequality, privileged classes, and uh, completely fractured distribution networks that most definitely cut people off from access to what can truly help them have a healthy mind and body. My concerns were, and they really still are, that will temporarily acknowledge that we've been terrible stewards to the planet and to one another, but steadily move back in the old direction of what we know, even if it was damaging to ourselves and to the planet. But during the past few months, as I often say, that the the world is trying to become something better, something new, a sort of awakening seems to be happening There's just been an abnormal amount of TikTok content and conspiracy theories and people confessing to just eating too much and watching too much Netflix. All that really had me wondering whether there is going to be a turning point. And if there was, where would that turning point emerge from? I guess a good way of putting it is I just feel like the painful birthing process of something new hasn't really taken place. But then, obviously, the name George Floyd came into our lives and the massive upheaval of outraged citizens around the world became the marker of where I really now believe that's where the turning point's going to come from. And I was trying to develop my thoughts around it and how I might contribute to Black Lives Matter. Then I received my first DM. And then a second and a third, and they were my black friends asking why I hadn't yet addressed these issues on my podcast. They were sincere questions. I never felt I was being judged. I'll be honest, as I was with them, I felt my insecurities to actually try and tackle such a conversation. After all, like, who am I? And uh, what do I know about all this? And the fear to actually jump into a conversation like that something of such magnitude and seriousness, my fear was just to mess it all up and not really bring anything positive to it. But these aren't really times to be silent. We can all agree on that. More importantly, the times to bring out our best thoughts forward is really what's what's needed. Justifiably, there's a lot of hair-trigger reactions out there, and I see that as a way of pushing people to maybe just formulate their thoughts a little bit better. I also have a deep disdain for polluting our information ecology, and I never want to be a participant in voicing thoughts that aren't well thought out. 
The optimist in me wants to believe that taking to the streets and protests is a sign that enough's enough and not just blacks and minorities, but the vast majority of people are sending a message that we're all fed up of inequality, racism, bigotry, class ruling systems, rules and laws that are applied selectively to suit the needs of a selected class, trying to sneak in changing laws while people are distracted. Let's just acknowledge that for a second. Black lives being a very important issue and how dare people use that as a distraction while they try and pass laws and legislation that will benefit once again these ruling classes. If I am, and my best observation actually is that I am a member of a privileged class, all I know I can do is to vow to not only be a steward of Mother Earth, but also be in the service of her citizens, and especially to those whose voices aren't heard. Which brings me to my guest, John Hamilton. He's like myself. He's never spoken on this issue in public. And my hope that this will bring forward an authentic, unscripted representation of how everyday citizens are navigating these times of upheaval. I'm sure together he and I are going to find our best voice to do our best to keep the movement not only alive, but to help society as a whole to find that space where all citizens can be given a fair hand in this incredible life. So now I want to welcome John Hamilton, business student, actor, entrepreneur, and awesome friend. John Hamilton, how are you? How are you, man? I'm very good, thank you. Listen, man, when I called you, at the yes. beginning of the week, I really got to thank you so much for being on here because it was a struggle for me. I was trying to figure out how am I going to tackle this issue? It's so big. And I got to be honest, most of this was fear. Because of the level of importance of this conversation, I'm just afraid to screw it up. You know, I, I really think it's a, a big conversation. So I guess that, you know, this conversation made the a lot of people uncomfortable, but at the same time, it, I think it is a very important to talk about it. So uh, we could uh, eradicate this virus called racism and as well, you know, understand how, uh, you know, structural it is and how, you know, it's a game uh, also of, uh, of power and uh, also of how, how I mean, sometimes the establishment will will be able to maneuver just to try to divide people as well, you know, because uh, it's not about, it's not something about, you know, uh, black versus white. Um, it is, it's, it's, you know, it's everyone against racism, like a lot of people said. And, uh, you know, we need to tackle that. We need to talk about it. We need to talk about also like people from other communities who experience uh, racism and people who are benefiting actually from a system that is, uh, you know, systematic, systemic, sorry. And, and yeah, and the more we talked about it, the more we're, we're going to be able to uh, see the smoke screen and what's going on and what's going on behind the scene and trying to uh, go uh, protest and change the laws so uh, everyone could be equal in society. How did you feel over the last, say, couple of weeks? I know we've all were in this sort of uh, abyss, right? When COVID came, people, even myself, I was saying this is the disruption that the world is needed. But really, everybody was just kind of sequestered at home, eating too much, watching too much TV. Some people were very scared of the virus. And I thought to myself, now this doesn't feel 
like this is going to change people in any significant way, maybe somewhat. But then the, I think it all started with Ahmed Aubrey, right? And then we, yeah. then with George Floyd, and there, there was this big sort of momentum starting around that. And I was like, okay, no, this is where this is where it's changing, and this is where I started to pay a lot of attention and started to rally myself behind it and f- try to figure out how am I going to address this and how did you feel once we went from this COVID phase of the disruption into George Floyd and the last couple of weeks? People right now are, are seeing how flooded the system is and as well how flooded, you know, someone can get, can get away with a murder, but someone also can kill some, can kill someone and get arrested two months later. When you look at it, you see how um, unfair the system is. It is something that isn't supposed to happen, you know, especially in 2020 century. So you need to we we need to be um, more aware and more focused on, you know, uh, convict guys when actually they murder someone. That's it. You and I had this. I think we had this moment of awakening together when we were talking on the phone and you were saying, well, listen, both of us live in a pretty good residential neighborhood. And Mm -hmm. you said, you know, we've only been arrested maybe a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, whoa, dude, hold on a second. I've never even been in the back of a police car. I've never even been in a situation where I felt like I was going to be arrested. And you said, yeah, but I've been arrested like a couple of times. And you were kind of shocked to hear me say that I had never encountered that experience with a police officer. Yeah. Yes. I mean, well, a lot of people are getting arrested, especially in the black community, because, uh, you know, uh, of the biases as well, of the law enforcement towards people of color. And and that's why also it teaches us as well how um, it's all about the training. It's all about the education as well and how people are they're, they're infected with racism and bias and prejudices. You know, I was um, listening about uh, a video from uh, Gabriel Nadeau-Dubois, uh, the politician, and he was saying that, you know, for, for like 15 years, um, they had a... Um, reported a commission about, you know, systemic uh, racism. And, uh, you know, people were just talking about it. And, you know, and, and now we're talking about also like the, the like the high level of uh, the police uh, department uh, and the government and the high level also of institution. So they talked about it for like 15 years. And I think for the past three years, they never really uh, reported under uh, or uh, wrote about it or talked about it. They kind of like, it kind of like disappeared for the past three years. But he said in the interview that that didn't meant that racism uh, was eradicated, just that, you know, never, uh, no one actually addressed this, that issue. And for like 15 years, it was just a back and forth with paper, 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 paper. Um, people acknowledge it, but people never, people never actually found a way to uh, put action and trying to, you know, do something about it because this is unbelievable. And it was saying that it's just, it's just like, you know, a back and forth thing that uh, people were doing and uh, never, uh, no one really addressed uh, uh, the whole situation. So it, it tells you how also there's things that are important in the society and there's things that aren't. And uh, it's up to the people of power as well to really focus on what's really important. But it's also up to the public, up to the masses as well to make their voices uh, heard and, and say that, you know, and say it out loud like we see right now with the Black Lives Matter movement. And change and trying to make as much as we can to, you know, change the policies and trying to make pro- uh, to make pressure as well with uh, the law enforcement and the government. But this is this is really unacceptable for like 15 years. It was just a back and forth of the paper, but no one took action. 
Um, it's all about the education. It's all about raising as well uh, the next generation to not see biases and as well, you know, um, tell them about the stories of other community that has been oppressed for centuries and uh, how, you know, they have the power as well and they benefit from a system because they're, they're, they're privileged. So they can talk, you know, with the force of privilege to uh, eradicate that. Well, it's seriously concerning because if I just look at myself back in the days in school, um, we learned that Europeans discovered the Americas. We um, never talked about slavery. Uh, we never talked about the slaughtering of the native cultures uh, in the in North America. There was very little of this ever spoken of. And people of my age are occupying positions of power in our system. And if their educational background, even if they're educated at a very young age, they've been indoctrinated into this view that um, this is a part of history that really didn't happen in the way that the, the blacks and the natives might be explaining it, that that's their interpretation because that's not what's in the school books. And I'm just wondering if that's changed at all today. If it's like, no, you know, the Americas were not discovered by Europeans. There were natives living here already. Already, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, that yeah. to me is concerned because I know people my age who can't even develop the mindset to lose five pounds that they said they were going to lose in the new year. And yeah. how the hell are they going to develop a mindset where they lose their bigotry? Well, yeah, and 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 yeah. So, and and that's, that's the crazy part. And when we look at as well as you know of, of the the stage of an infant from zero to seven years old, this is where actually you know his environment will forge. Uh, not even, uh, of course, in the in his sub subconscious, subconscious, but as well, you know, his brain and the way that he sees the world. So if like you know the child wasn't raised, but you know. Uh, parents open-minded and that taught him to see the world equal and to see also other people as equal, well, he's going to grow up with uh, those biases, you know? So um, everyone is a product of, of their environment. You have also, you know, um, a lot of uh, thinkers who uh, legitimate, you know, the, the white supremacist system and the white power and flooded it with their essay, actually, you know, in the school system. And people read about it and it was passed down from generation to generation to generation. But as well, it was passed down as well with uh, through the generation, even when, uh, you know, black people in the state try to integrate it as well, you know, the, the, the white school. So when you don't see yourself, when you when you don't see yourself actually in the books that you're reading, uh, you're starting to feeling less important and less also capable of of achieving greatness or achieving success. So um, that's why, you know, there's a, there's an awakening right now. You know, things have changed since, you know, the movement of Marley, the Luther King, and as well the, the civil right movement. But then again, there's a lot of uh, things that need to be done. And it's always a, a fight against uh, racism. I don't think, you know, racism will uh, end soon. You know, it's something that, you know, that every government on the planet needs to uh, eradicate. But if if they're willing to eradicate it, but it's all about, you know, us, I mean, the, the people, you know, who are uh, interacting with other communities to learn, to listen and to see what we can do uh, with our privileges. Yeah, like none of this is to make people feel guilty. Like you said before, it's not a white against black thing. That's that's just silly. This is this is about helping people to learn 
how to be more accountable because even if you're subtly racist, right? Just those subtleties, because I'm not going to try and act like I'm perfect here, right? I do have come from a, my home is a multicultural home. My wife is from Venezuela, but if I even dare to say, oh, I've never been in any way racist, that in itself is a problem because if you're not acknowledging that you've been that way ever then Mm -hmm. you're then who the hell is racist like who is because there's certainly a race a racism problem going on but if you ask everybody oh no i have black friends so i'm not racist like i'm like what that you know come on man if you don't take accountability and then try and fix it this problem is not going to end because everybody's going to think they're not racist. Then who's doing the work on themselves to fix the problem? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always said that, you know, we're, we're all living this human experience and it's up to us to evolve and to trying to see things differently as we, uh, go into this journey of uh, of uh, of our experience but as well to see how flawed the system is how beautiful as well you know there's a lot of beautiful things also in the world and you know there's good people and there's bad people but we 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 need to we need to face it and see that you know that that you know that there's evil and there's good and you know it's up to us you know to choose in which side we want to we want to go and trying to do uh, the, the 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 best thing that we can you know like from 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 a good side you know but you know we need to acknowledge it especially need to have this discussion uh with uh, the next generation as well with a lot of politicians a lot of activists and uh trying to well it, it, it all start with with us you know within ourselves and trying to see as well you know if we sometimes we feel guilty about it if we don't want to talk about it because we want to we, we don't want to raise our voices or we 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 fear the judgment of others you know um but at the same time it's if it's for the good greater good for the community and the world i mean that's uh that's what we, sh- we should all do you know what do you think people can do in their daily lives to start mitigating this well i i think that you know um white people first uh, need to acknowledge that there is racism they need to also learn about the history of other um, people that have been oppressed for centuries they need to also trying to be an, an advocate of change and trying to see as well their own biases starting by uh, uh winning their own family and talked about it and you know when you know someone is saying uh, racist stuff to uh, you know go against them and and tell them that you know that's that this is unacceptable and trying to educate them but at the same time you know it's um it, it's going to be hard because you know it's 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 all about you know i think you can Phoenix said it you know uh, the people who are benefiting from this system of white supremacy it's up to them to change it and dismantle it and uh, it's up to uh, white people to uh, to change that and to to dismantle something that they they are benefiting uh from so um changes start within their own community within their own family within their own household i think if they can have this conversation uh with other white people i think you know change uh, things could change uh, drastically it's not up to the black community to always protest and tell you know that you guys need to change or the community of the white people need to acknowledge that there is something wrong because we've been doing it for 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 years and uh, no one really heard us it's up to the white community i feel to uh talk about it and not be uncomfortable about it because you know every big conversation has this level of uh uncomfortability and 
and and this is how we advance in in, in this society. Uh, you know, looting and you know protesting and stuff like that. You know, works for a certain while, but I mean, not 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 for too long. So that's why you know you you need to uh, to move in a different way to uh, achieve uh, better success. Yeah. It's not the responsibility of the individual to change the system. It is the responsibility of the individual to change their behavior, number one, um, because that's the best thing an individual can do, change the way they act and behave in society. And through the, the vast majority of people, changing their behavior inevitably will change how the system operates. But I'm not super convinced or I'm not super confident in the individual's ability to change. Yeah, well, there's that too. Um, Like I said, I mean, it's up to an individual to change his behavior. I mean, some people uh, don't want to change their behavior and don't want to stick with their biases. And that's, that's their human experience. So that's why, you know, there will, there will always be a fight, you know, against, against, uh, uh, against racist and non-racist people and anti-racist as well against, you know, racist people. Um, uh, so that's why, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an evolution winning, winning, uh, winning us. It's more from the inside out instead of outside in, but at the same time, also like, you know, focusing of, on individualism, you know, will not change the the macro issues of, of racism at the same time. So that's why, you know, we see, need to see the bigger picture. We need to do a part of ourselves as well uh, to change uh, what, what what we've learned and to unlearn what we what we've learned, you know, and uh, and at the same time, trying to see the bigger picture and see, OK, well, who can be an advocate in the in the government, a politician that will be that will be willing to fight for the cause of uh, of, of of the first the black community as well, but as well, you know, for for the entire community, you know, that's that's up to each individual, but that's up also to see the bigger picture of who can help us in a position of power. Yeah, can you help me understand a little bit the difference between not being racist and being anti-racist? Well, from my point of view. From what I know is that anti-racist is like every act of racism that they see, they will be anti about it. While someone who say I'm not a racist will just say that, you know, I'm not a racist, but it's just that because he he's not a, a racist, that will not change the fact that, you know, there's, there's a racism. When you're anti-racist, you want to change everything. So it's not just be, it's not about I'm not a racist, I'm anti-racist. So every, every, every behavior that is racist, I'm going to... Uh, to acknowledge it and fight for it. Oh, I get it. So anti-racist is an action and non-racist is just a noun, right? Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a passive it's a passive description. To say I have a black friend makes me not racist. That to me sounds like silly. A lot of people I know use that. They say, "Hey, listen, man, I have a, I have black friends, so I'm not racist." Like, well, hold on a second. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, someone can have a black friend or someone could go out uh, uh, with a black person and still have biases and be racist. It's just that, well, you know, there's culture uh, differences as well. But I mean, I think that, you know, people are saying because they have a friend from another community that they cannot be racist, but that's just unbelievable. So they're not even acknowledge their own biases and they're not doing also like a review of their background or review of what they've learned first just be a uh, just realize that you know you have vices we all have vices i guess 
and uh, and yeah, and trying to change that to work to work to work on that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to make a promise right here on the podcast that my my work that I'm going to do on myself is that I'm going to watch those subtleties. I'm going to change my language. You know, from anything as simple as you know, we've I I not we. I, I'm just going to own everything. I've said, oh, that must be an Asian driver, you know, things like that. If we, if I talk like that, that, that is the subtleties that I'm talking about. That if I don't change that language and not sort of at the end of saying it, saying, oh, I'm just joking, like that, those are the subtle problems I'm talking about. So my yeah. pledge is I'm going to watch my language with all cultures and races. I'm just going to really be attentive to this. Yeah, yeah. Do your part, and uh, and see what uh, what you well yeah, and what you can do and how you can impact as well others. Yeah, it's the only way. I think every every single person needs to take some accountability for for this because whether you're racist um, or bigoted against blacks, natives, Asians, whatever it be, anybody other than your own. Yeah, and, and well, and that's good because words of power and uh, and yeah, and uh, every we, we need to watch our language. Uh, as well, and the words that we're we're saying, because words of have power, even within uh, our subconscious, our conscious, and our brain, to affect us. So you know, by changing of of uh, on uh, like our vocabulary and changing the words that we're using to uh, change stuff and our own biases, you know, uh, it's a it's a good start. Yeah, words bring things into life, right? We're, the spoken yeah. word is the birthing of something new all the time. Yes. Yes. And we yeah. got to use our words for power and we got to use our words to empower people. Oh yeah. Yeah. As long as we're getting better, you know, that's, uh, that's the mission. You know, we're all getting better together. We're all in this together. So, um, so it's up to, uh, all of us to, uh, change, change ourselves and trying to, uh, evolve. Well, John Hamilton, I just want to thank you so much for taking your time. I knew you could just bring so much to this conversation. Oh, well, well, uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you called me to talk about this. And yeah, and it, it's always a pleasure to have a, a deep conversation uh, with you, Sean. And I hope that uh, this podcast and or this interview will try to uh, raise awareness with your community, with your uh, followers, and at the same time trying to learn about their behaviors as well. My biggest fear has been that through COVID and now through Black Lives Matter, I do not want to see us emerge from all this without having made deep, deep changes that the world is so desperately in need of. Yeah. yeah we, yeah. Re we reset to normal very fast, and normal was just not working. Yes, and normal, yeah, you said it well. You said it well, Sean, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen... You have an awesome day, and I just want to thank you again one more time. Thank you very much, Sean. All right, my man.